Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 679 with a review of The Many Saints of Newark. I'm Christopher Snazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, this film came to HBO Max. So if you are a uh, person who subscribes to that, you are now able to watch this one for free. Um, this film is a prequel of sorts to the sopranos um the much loved yeah, series both people on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it is it like the 25 year anniversary that just passed a little while ago there's some reason why like everybody is watching it now um well there have been many theories as to why everyone is watching it now i think the 20 year anniversary was the argument for why gotcha. but then also a lot of people think covid and that everyone's staying at home all of a sudden like it was on the top of everyone's to-do list like reading infinite dust <laughs> or whatever like i'm gonna <laughs> i'm finally gonna watch the sopranos um much has been written about it but yeah i think there was a 20th anniversary recently got your 20th okay cool um well steven and i both came to this show a little later than some people um, a little earlier than some people as well, obviously. But uh, do you want to, Stephen, kind of talk about your entry into the show and what you thought about The Sopranos in general? Yeah, sure. So I I was, like many people, somewhat late to The Sopranos. I had heard that it was a good show, but the people that I had heard it from were mostly people who liked <laughs> shitty things too. You know, like I, <laughs> I had the same view of the Sopranos that I had of Scorsese movies before I watched them, which is like, this is a mafia show. It's going to be about like gangsters doing bad things. It's going to be bloody and ultra violent. The end, you know, like that was what I assumed it was going to be. And I just never really felt like making the investment to watch that much dark violence. Like that didn't seem like, a way I wanted to spend my time. And it wasn't until uh, I started dating Joanna, actually, now my wife, uh, and she said The Sopranos was her favorite show of all time and I should watch it. Um, and so I, in like 2017, I watched the show very quickly. Like I would say I binged most of these seasons. Um, and what surprised me was that it was like, I found it very funny. I found it very insightful. Every episode, I think, is like a self-contained film in its own right. Like it, it has tons of like symbolism and themes and different. The A and B and C plots will all like weave together, and they'll be orbiting different versions of the same existential question. Like I think it's a very, very, very well constructed show, um, and I think it is fantastic. It became what I would say like. I don't know if I'm going to say it is my favorite show because there are things I would go back to more readily if I wanted like comfort or to feel good. But I think it is the best TM show, like if I had to rank them in terms of artistic quality. So I and I've since rewatched it one and a half more times at least. So like it was pretty fresh. I watched it again during the pandemic. Interesting. Um, so I was. I was ready for this. I was amped and tacitly worried, as always, that someone is going to ruin a thing that I think is near perfect. But I also think <laughs> you can't ruin it. Like, I, I don't really believe that a future property can screw up a past thing. So I, I, I wasn't that worried about it. But I, you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, I never 
got hooked on this show. Um, part of that was because I never had access to HBO um, until, you know, the years of uh, where you could just get a la carte HBO, just like pay $15 a month or whatever and have it. And even then I wasn't really interested in going back and seeing it. Um, but then this buddy of mine named Stephen Miller, <laughs> I don't remember if you, I don't remember if it was a tweet. I tried to like do my homework and go back and find it. Turns out it's impossible. to. I, I don't know how anybody unearths like everybody's bad tweets from history because I could not for the life of me find this specific tweet. Um, but in the tweet, you would, I think you had just finished your first watch through yeah. and um, you compared it um, more favorably to things like Breaking Bad, uh, sure. which are one of my favorite shows. Um, uh, and I was like, all right, challenge accepted. I'm just going to do this. So I took like two weeks or whatever it was and binged through the entire series. And, uh, you know, canonically, I did not care for it. <laughs> mm. Um I did not care for it. I don't like, cause I know not everybody loves the show, um, but I know it's kind of universally loved for me. My problem with the show is I don't believe this is these mobsters are good at their job. <laughs> like sure. I don't, I don't believe they are a functioning system in a society for which they could last for that many seasons. Right? Like every episode is just like, yeah, we're doing some mobster stuff. Uh, I got this truck of furniture. What do you want me to do with it? <laughs> right. And I never like none of it was ever real. So I could not, I could not like key into all those like existential questions and like what was going on with these people because I was always just annoyed that nothing felt real. It just felt like guys writing like what kind of stuff does mobsters do? Let's do that. And then episodes done um and i just i never i never connected it there are some moments in the show that uh, are we are we we're free to like spoil the show right i i i think so though people should definitely watch the sopranos okay i i i won't spoil the show um partially because i want to be nice to people who are just starting to watch it now and partially because i'll probably get little details wrong um but there are some decisions some characters make towards other characters that may or may not end their life that were impactful to me. There are lots of other times where characters, you know, betray each other or somebody is murdered because of some really stupid reason. And I just never, it never felt impactful to me with the exception of one scene <laughs> that takes place between two characters who have a great fondness for each other, or maybe an obligation say, um, that might persist. No, I'm not even going to make a joke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so there's, there's like one moment of tragedy throughout the entire series that really affected me. And that was it. Everything else was kind of just like, you know, what? I don't I don't care if these people die. I don't really. <laughs> it, now, and now so you that the show doesn't need me to defend it. And you, you are also not lobbing up asking for like, this is an objective problem with the show. Give me an objective defense of it. But I think the what the show wants to do is like completely deconstruct the myth of like the glorified badass. And the show is kind of about the decay of everything, how America is just getting vaguely shittier. And that means crime is also getting vaguely shittier and the people doing it are just as ineffective and lazy as the people who are like, you know, working a local white collar job somewhere or doing any number of other things. And like the fact that, you 
hate them or that you see them as being not good at what they do or being like vindictive or just petty or small like they're a bunch of donald trump's basically like like i think that is what the show wanted to do is they are like the shitty lords of their own little kingdom and they're playing they're living in a world where they look back at scorsese movies and think those were the badasses or the godfather like they want to quote it all the time but they are not that and probably in the Godfather day, they were not actually that either. And no one is as good as the myth. And I think like that is kind of what The Sopranos is trying to do. And from that lens, I found it easier to also care what happened to people because I didn't think of them as like badasses who let me down, but as like anti-hero narcissistic people. I don't know. It it was way yeah. more like Mad Men than it is like uh, Breaking Bad Which it, because it, it is really about deconstructing the type yeah. of person. And, and Mad Men is a show that I also have not watched. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I guess I guess for me, what it comes down to is we're both watching the same thing. You are seeing a satire of characters and I am seeing a cheap knockoff of characters. Mm-hmm. And that that is kind of the same thing but you are reading into intention or picking up on intention, I should say. And I am just checking out because I just don't like that. It feels like a cheap mobster thing. Like these are, if you know, you you talk about how each episode feels like it could be its own movie. When I watch them, I think of them as a bad (laughs) movie each time. (laughs) Like, I like, it's hard to put my finger on it because I, Satire is the wrong word. Like, I think the thesis of The Sopranos is that crime is boring and... Mission accomplished. (laughs) Yeah, like the IRL people who live a life of crime are in organized whatever. They may glamorize things or look back and be like Christopher Moltisanti is throughout the show where he wants to get into Hollywood or whatever and he wants to tell it, write his memoirs and he wants to like be bigger but the reality is like a bunch of guys sitting around (laughs) um trying to come up with petty scams and basically like leeching off of other more helpless people um and and i i don't think the show is saying we are going to satirize crime i think it's saying like this is for real like if you actually met these people this is what their life would be and and i think that's kind of what it wants to do yeah, I, I probably satirize probably wasn't the right word, but I, I like while you remind me of like Christopher's goals and his his attempts to get into Hollywood, you reminded me of a criticism of the show I gave you back then, which was there are, there are a series of episodes where Christopher is working on a screenplay for a mob film that he wants to make, mm-hmm. and I believe if I'm not wrong, the whole joke is anybody who reads it is like this is the worst thing ever. But I feel like we are watching a show that is his script. <laughs> like I don't think his mm-hmm. script is any worse than the lives of any of the characters that we are watching day to day through the show. Yeah. But anyways, we're not technically here to talk about the Sopranos. <laughs> no. Though I, I will say everyone should read uh, Emily Vanderwerf's uh, write-ups of every Sopranos episode. I have no idea how I would have felt about the show if I weren't reading along with that. But that combination was one of my favorite um, TV viewing and processing experiences ever. Yeah. So definitely check it out. I think it's still on the AV Club. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for The Many Saints of Newark. And then we're going to come back and give you all a review.
when I was a kid. Guys like me were brought up to follow codes. Hey, jerk off. What'd you say? What? Antonio Soprano. I wonder if I can talk to you alone for a moment, Mrs. Soprano. On the basis of the Sanford Binet, he's high IQ. You can't prove it by me. He's got a D plus average. Well, he doesn't apply himself, but he is smart. The results tell us he's a leader. Ankle dick. Growing up with the family. Takes a toll. Maybe an ambassador of England or France. You're my nephew. My life to gamble. I want to do whatever I can to help you. you my gift to you. I want to go to college. I can't get called with shit like this. Look, you take the speakers, right? At the same time, you say to yourself, this is the last time I'm ever going to steal something. It's that simple. Let me go talk to him. He only listens to Dickie. Gotta do something about Dickie Marasani. Maybe some of the things you do are God's favorite. You lead by example. You make the right decision. This kid's got what it takes. As your nephew goes, I'm listening. Stay out of his life. All right, so that was the trailer for The Many Saints of Newark. It is a prequel to The Sopranos. And it follows uh, Christopher Malasanti's dead. <laughs> Dicky, Dicky um, Malasanti. Yeah. So, Stephen Miller, what did you think of this film? So, I want to preface by saying that the night before we watched this movie, Joanne and I were like, we should watch a Sopranos episode just to like rev the engine a little bit, you know, make sure make sure it still works. Um, so we picked one at random, completely at random. She was like, I don't know, something in the middle, season four, oh, the first one, I don't know. We clicked it. That episode wound up being the one where Christopher Moltisanti is told the story of how his dad was killed and gets a chance to <laughs> avenge it. It was like unbelievable how lucky we got in terms of which episode nice. we decided to watch. Um so it was fresh, like the the vague story of how Dickie Moltisani is revered by members of The Sopranos in the 2000s um, was kind of fresh in my mind. This movie, I struggle with. I think this movie is a quite solid pilot episode of a prequel series that is not The Sopranos, but is like an adjacent thing in the way that like a new game of thrones show might be adjacent to the original but wouldn't replace it um 
I think this is kind of anemic as a movie. Like, I feel like it is not a full story and it is not trying to be. And that makes me feel strange. Like, I I don't feel like I have processed. I I mentioned that every episode of The Sopranos feels like a arc to me. Like there's a theme, it wraps it up, it ends in a coherent way. I think this has less of an arc than an individual episode of The Sopranos does. It felt more like a almost like an anthology just like jumped through. I don't, I don't know. There was something about it where it didn't feel like a complete story to me. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of joy that I got from it as a fan of the show, just seeing them revisit the world. Uh, I thought Corey Stoll being junior, who's like already <laughs> basically an old man. <laughs> um, I found him extremely entertaining uh, whenever he was on screen. Yeah. Um, I think Alessandro Nivola as Vicky Maldasani is like great. Like, like he's a, I would definitely watch a movie starring him, even if it wasn't, you know, pretending to be a Sopranos movie. Yeah. Um, I, I got a kick out of the casting of Vera Farmiga with what I assume is a prosthetic nose. 100%. Basically, basically saying like, Tony married his mom. Like, yeah. like that's the only way I can see it. That's, I, I was though um, like, the entire time I was watching this movie, I was like, why'd they make her look like his mom? <laughs> you yeah. could guess. I mean, I guess that's what they're trying to say, but. <sighs> yeah, I think uh, Ray Liotta in uh, the multiple forms that he shows of his acting abilities here, not taking <laughs> too much away. Um, I found that very, and like, I thought the range was cool. Um, I don't know. There were, there were things I liked about individual pieces. I think there are sudden bursts of violence that felt like the show to me that are done well. Um, I think I like that the movie tried to do what the show was horrible at, which is tackle race in any meaningful way. I don't think the movie succeeded in all of it, but I thought grounding everything in like the long hot summer and the Newark riots of 67 and stuff. I appreciated that it, went for that epic scale but these are all just pieces like i i enjoyed scene to scene the little easter eggs they threw out i never felt like it was dragging or like i wanted to check my phone or anything but when it ended i felt like what i think some people when the final episode of the sopranos ended felt which was like wait wait that that's the ending it just it's just over now (laughs) um and I don't know. So it, it felt like half a movie, but a great tee up to a pulpy thing that is distinctly a different tone from The Sopranos. Like it would never replace what The Sopranos does for me. But yeah. I think it would be totally fun to watch like a prequel anthology series about these characters. Um, the The damning thing I can say about this movie's failure to flesh out an arc on its own terms is when the movie ended, Joanne and I talked for like 10 minutes trying to remember or figure out who was the boss back then. Like who was in charge? We yeah. see Cruz who, and like, I don't think it tells us like that is how little it tells us about what is going on <laughs> is you don't really understand the hierarchy that is being risen through, let alone what, but I don't know. I found it to be a strange kind of half movie and I enjoyed it for what it was, but I also think it failed at being a movie on its own terms. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with that last statement. <laughs> um, so yeah. So, so when this, when this film started and like, you know, Christopher's voiceover comes in 
And I'm just like, I was kind of like, am I going to like this movie? (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of like, I was like, I didn't even like the show, but like, for some reason it's all coming back to me now. Mm. Um, and that quickly wore off. (laughs) Um, I, 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 so this, this film has all the things that I didn't like about the show. Just it's to me worsened by the fact that this feels like it also has all the complaints people have about all the Marvel films where it feels like you're never watching something that could ever stand alone. Like if you snapped your finger fingers or Mandela effect away the Sopranos, so it never existed, but somehow you didn't snap away this film, this would make zero sense. And you'd be like, that was a weird, shitty mob movie, right? Like it is, it is resting so heavily on you knowing who all these characters are like i mean in the trailer there's the whole scene where uh tony's mom is talking to the counselor at school and he's like yeah he's this genius guy with like a propensity for leadership and it's like that scene is the worst school drama scene ever written but you're like yeah he's gonna grow up to be tony soprano (laughs) you know what i mean like well i i also think that actually like sells the show's short too because i don't think in the soprano show we are supposed to think what an amazing leader <laughs> yeah you know yeah so 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 what i what i did kind of like at the start of this was okay we, we it's you know we, we set everything up we know the things i want i liked watching the the tony character being this boy who is outside of the system who is not part of like, he's He's a member of the family, but he's not part of the family, right? He's, he's not he's not involved in anything. He's on the side, but he's always witnessing it from the outside. He sees people go in and have conversations and close the door. He he picks up on little cues about what it's like to do little scams and stuff. And then he begins starting to try to repeat that around school. And you, you see, like, the way he sort of tries to become his own little mob boss at his high school... I actually yeah. enjoy that, right? Like that is something that is interesting. Imagine somebody who tries to ape what his family's doing, creates his own little empire, and then when he graduates, literally graduates into doing the real thing. Like that is an interesting story. That's not mm-hmm. the story we're watching, though. We are watching just regular old episodes of The Sopranos, um, but like a couple different plot things crammed into one little movie, and then they like. Is is the big revealing thing at the end of this film? Is that a retcon or is that? Uh, it, it's not a retcon. You, the truth quote that we are told in the Sopranos, is even hinted at the time as being unreliable. So it's not a retcon, but it is a reveal that we were never told in the show. Okay, okay. So it, it makes reliable things that people believed at the time when the show was airing, but it, that there wasn't actually, anything explicitly stated. It what was explicitly stated is flipped on its head by this movie. So it, it so it, so it's kind of a retcon of sorts. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of a retcon. It's just the the episode when they discuss it in the Sopranos, there is a lot of hinting that like these all might be lies and manipulative tactics to make Christopher behave a certain way. Yeah, so yeah. like it's kind of hinted that we can't trust the story. Yeah, yeah. So so to me, it feels like this entire film is reverse engineered from that reveal. Like, it's like, what if this? And everyone like, damn, that would be crazy, right? And then they basically created a movie to lead to that moment. And to me, uh, that, like, 
once again, when I arrived at that place, I didn't care. Like, because you hadn't, I knew we were working towards a thing. So you compared the Sopranos or or you basically elevated the Sopranos above Breaking Bad. So I'm going to flip that on its head and elevate Better Call Saul above this prequel. Oh, I thought El Camino was what you wanted to talk about. Okay. Anyway, talk about Better Call Saul. But El El Camino is a conclusion that they could never do in a show. It's, it's. El Camino is great because it is doing right by a character that was largely ignored in the finale. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of making right a sin they committed. This film is doing the opposite, where it's like, we know where all these characters are going. And like, have you, have you watched any of Better Call Saul yet? No. So like, you, but you, if you from Breaking Bad, you remember the Saul, Saul character, right? Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So... When, when, when Better Call Saul starts out, you see this earnest, hardworking guy who wants to be just a good lawyer, who wants to not be looked down upon, not be stuck in the shadow of his brother, who's a really, really successful partner at a law firm. And it's like you see him try to be on the straight and narrow. And no matter what he does, life always just beats the shit out of him. And you watch him slowly progress over the course of several seasons towards this thing and even though you know who he will become you are still watching it beat by beat and you don't know where he is going to stumble and fall and where those things are going to happen so it feels really really impactful in this story you are watching sort of the origin of tony soprano but but it's not like a joker scenario where by the time the credits roll he is the joker right (laughs) right that's why it feels like a prequel to the origin story of yeah yeah almost so it just feels like why like did they do it that way so they could make a sequel to the prequel so that they could like i i bet they did but i'm not sure (laughs) yeah it, it just seems like a very strange way to go because at the end of this film this doesn't mean you will one day become a great mob boss to me right so so what like you i'm watching a thing like i get that this probably means you will do for somebody else what i did for you cool that works that works emotionally on some level but i just don't care (laughs) about also one of the things that like really honestly annoys me about the like i'm not gonna get in and uh like try to say that like oh i just really hate when men are shitty to women but like what i don't get is how open these characters are in the entire series as well where it's like like in anything else there is a secret mistress but in these films it's like i'm just gonna go out with my new broad and (laughs) but that was a real thing i think i think the gumar thing was very open like for real (laughs) okay i mean and maybe it was it just i never I never understand, like, it's just normal for everyone. There's not even a person that's like, oh, dang, that's not his wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just normal, and it's, it's hard for me to, like, step into that and make it not feel weird. Like, if, if we were hanging out with mutual friends and somebody showed up with a, with a girlfriend that wasn't their wife, we wouldn't all just be like, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you, right? We'd all be like, that's... Is that his sister? Or, you know? yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's super fucked up, especially um, <laughs> this Dickie Moltisanti's Gumar and his relationship to her is uh, just a whole lot of weird. Oh, it's super um, weird. Like, yeah. For sure. And I think the show does mention that. I, I remember Christopher saying it's complicated or something. Um, yeah. But I, anyway, I do think that the Gumar thing, I think, is 
for real a part of mafia culture or whatever and it's basically like the madonna whore complex personified like literally my wife stays at home and you all pretend you love her and then i take my girlfriend out and you like drink with her like it i don't know it's gross but, but <laughs> like it, so like in, in uncut gems right there was a similar mm-hmm. thing going on there but they both sort of knew each other but they were like hey i'll stay with you but you gotta cut it off with that person and there was this idea yeah. of like it became known but it's still on the down low sort of thing where it just feels it just feels strange to be so open with it and like yeah. nobody's even complaining <laughs> like 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 clearly his wife uh, especially when he's like when they are birthing a child is not cool with it but like it's just people treat it as though it's normal and it always it just it's hard for me to like embed myself in the story when it's happening in a way that feels unbelievable to me but yeah, yeah i don't know <laughs> so you mentioned you actually kind of stepped on my joke in our little prologue because you said every episode of the sopranos feels to you like christopher's script um i definitely don't feel that way i do think many saints of newark for sure could be like a movie that christopher Moltisanti wrote yeah uh, including his narrative over all of it and like how heavy-handed he is about like the guy that sent me to hell and all that stuff Yeah, yeah um i do feel like this in general it's just less artful and it it's interesting to me that you feel that this has similar problems to the show because to me, tonally, they're so different. Like, tonally, the show is day in the life in suburbia of these people who are going through problems. And the movie is look at all the plot that happened. Like, I, I feel like the movie, the balance of everything is so different than the TV show. Um, like, more happens in 30 minutes of this movie than in like two seasons of The Sopranos in terms of like, actual plot machinations true but i i don't i I guess for me i don't understand why the plot is happening so i ignore Mm -hmm. that it is happening because there's a whole thing with like dicky has a guy that he works with um who happens to be black and that person wants to go off on his own he lets him go off on his own pays him money as like a goodbye present and then suddenly there's a rivalry but i never there was something i missed where it was they don't yeah i feel like they cut parts of the movie like i feel like they wanted to draw a line more between like post riots and the gang that harold joins and then coming back and then they yeah they don't connect those dots at all and i found that very very strange yeah because there's a part where he pulls up in a car with his whole family and he's like you sure you don't want to come back and work for me i didn't take that as a threat i just took that as like i could give you more money than you can make at this auto body shop right like that's like i just took that face value when he when he offered yeah, well, to bring I, him back. i think what the movie wants to say is that the riots were like an awakening for Leslie Odom Jr.'s character and he no longer wants to be like lower on the food chain and subservient to these asshole like Italian dudes. Yeah. Um, And that like the antagonism comes mostly from him on the way back. Like, I don't want to be a part of your thing anymore. And that that's where it comes from. But it it is half fleshed out. Yeah. I, I find it kind of odd that they brought up all that stuff and then didn't really bother to tell us about it. And, and I think it would make sense, given the way that Dickie's friends treated his relationship with this character. But like when he went off on his own, if there were scenes where he was taking territory mm-hmm. and that's part of him wanting to go off on his own. But as far as I could tell from the film, he just bought a garage and started fixing up cars. <laughs> 
And it wasn't until like the rivalry formed that there began to be this sort of like guns drawn, people shot sort of situation that was going back and forth. But before that, it was like they just like he wanted to be like done with all this and just go have a regular life working at a shop. But oh, yeah, I don't I don't know if he wanted to be done with it because wasn't his whole ambition to start his own numbers game without having to pay up to the Italians? I think the yeah. shop was always a front. Oh, uh, that's right. I don't he, think there was ever a like straight life. He plan. did. He did go into that one shop, and he was saying like, "Yeah, someone else is going to come get this money tomorrow." <laughs> yeah. So I think that was the that was the opening salvo to it okay. was his desire to own that a it, numbers game instead. Yeah, that's right. There was somebody who was shot. W- was fresh in my mind from <laughs> the autobiography of Malcolm X and like thinking about numbers games and stuff. Um, but. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that Tony's number games is thrown off because of some fucking band kid. Yeah. It's good times. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I will also take a criticism you have of the show and apply it here. Some of the people I think are great. I already mentioned, even though he is being silly, I think Corey Stoll loved him loved him in this role i think john bernthal is great as johnny soprano already mentioned dickie uh livia soprano um silvio the guy who plays silvio with the toupee he is just (laughs) doing the most blatant caricature of who is already the most caricature person in the sopranos um he annoyed me. Uh, Polly Walnuts is who, not who a is whole he lot doing? better. In my head, he was just doing Joe Pesci. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I mean, I see him doing, uh, uh, what's his face? Lil Stevie, the, the guy who plays Silvio, um, who also felt like he was doing an impression of Joe Pesci. So I guess it's just Pesci once removed. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah, some, some of these people just seem like they existed to be like, whoa, look, they kind of look like the people you're going to see when when the show happens later. Um, yeah. Which is why I was really that, confused yeah. the first time I saw Vera Farmiga. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, who is she playing? <laughs> is she the mom of the mom? <laughs> I like that. I, I don't know how much you remember, like, the bench in The Sopranos of the the other characters, but, like, the person who plays Janice Soprano, I thought that was, like, great casting. She reminded me a lot of the adult version. <laughs> Um, Pussy Bump yeah. and Sarah. I don't know. Some were fun, but a few, especially in Tony's tight crew, I was just like, you're just doing caricatures. That's all. You're just trying to be like, hey, you kind of look like and sound like the guy from the other thing. And the, I didn't know who that was for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for clearly for people who love the, uh, love the series <laughs> and wanted to recognize all those people. There, there are also moments when uh, Artie Bucco and Carmela are both referenced, and that could only exist for the, like, this is the pilot episode of a show that is going to pay off those characters later. Like, that would, there's no reason for that to exist in a, like, fully defined movie. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Any last thoughts about this film, Steven? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Just watch The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's go ahead and get to our verdicts then so Stephen miller if you're going to say must see record of the caveat wait for rental pass the caveat or a must avoid what would you give it i'm giving this a wait for rental as well like free guy i think if you're a sopranos fan you can't not watch it so like like the rating system doesn't totally make sense like you're going to want to see it and it won't ruin anything because how can it it's a completely different thing um i just think 
It is surprising to me that David Chase took so long not wanting to touch the legacy of the Sopranos. And when he came back, this was the vision he had. I feel like there should have been something either more grand, like if it's going to be an epic story through many years, make it feel like a big arc, the rise and fall, make us understand that. Or do the thing where you focus on a few days in the life and let it be about young Tony growing up and the influence of the men around him. And I think the movie kind of wants to be like an epic mafia movie and it kind of wants to be an episode of The Sopranos and it kind of wants to be like a totally other novel about the Newark riots and stuff. And I, I feel like it it doesn't do any one of those well enough and it just feels scattered. So I... I, I was glad that I watched it because I was looking forward to it and it was like enjoyable enough, but I just don't think it added up to very much. And that is disappointing. Yeah. It's kind of interesting why they didn't go for like a mini series event or something, right? Like a two episode, a little yeah. bit longer than one, two hour movie where it can be like maybe the ending events happen at the end of the first of the mini series. And then the second half is like the fallout from all that stuff. Um, but maybe, yeah. hey, maybe they're pushing for another movie soon. The the slightly less saints of Newark. <laughs> yeah, or like a, maybe they're going to push for another series, even who who the hell knows. Uh, I, yeah. I, I realized what this really feels like, uh, controversies all noted, is uh, that there's a bottle episode of Louie where it was like a flashback episode where it's like young Louie and it came out of nowhere in a season. And it was just like, we're going to cut back to this earlier time and just talk about how things were and it's never going to be referenced again. And it's just like an exercise. Yeah. And that's what this felt like. But those things like work in the middle of a season of a show to give grounding to a character. Yeah. They don't make sense 20 years later. <laughs> and I feel like I remember that episode being very good compared to this being not so good, but I could be misremembering. It's been a long time since I've seen that show. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, Spoilers, probably not ever going to revisit it. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even to remember if it was good or not. <clears throat> right. Um, but uh, I'm going to give it a wait for rental as well. Um, really, the reason why I'm going middle ground there is because I feel like you will get something out of this if you are a fan of The Sopranos. And though I wasn't, I can't. Like, it, it, it at least tugged at a few little things at moments where I was like, oh, yeah, I felt this way about this at that time. So... I see what they're doing. Um, but for me, it didn't really work up to that much. But I, I, it's hard for me to hold my non-love of The Sopranos against this film. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to do it for a review of The Many Saints of Newark. So, Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me on Twitter.com slash SDavidMiller or SDavidMiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherRL.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Many Saints of Newark, so hopefully you are enjoying that. And, uh, yep, we're going to take off. we got one more review for you of The Card Counter, so see you soon. Bye. Bye.